0: The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com.
1: Very active starting a business. It takes a lot of gumption. I really want to dig in deep, figure out what makes these people tick, how they are leveraging their success to make the rest of the world a better place. You know, maybe have a couple of giggles along the way. From the
0: Pod 617 studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Kilroy Report, the podcast that shares the stories of entrepreneurs and agency owners doing extraordinary things in an ordinary world. Now, here's your host, Tim Kilroy.
1: Hey, everybody. I am here with Brad Ferris of Anchor Advisors and host of the Breaking Down Your Business podcast. Brad, I think, is the screamiest um i actually i think brad is only like 27 percent less funny than he thinks he is which is actually really (laughs) which is like really good because i'm actually like 67 less percent less funny than i think i am welcome brad thank you you? thank you you? a really quick bit about anchor advisors and then um since we can't find the outline document that we both slaved over, we're going to win it. <laughs> That's fine.
0: Uh, Tim, thanks for having me. This is, it's great to be here. Anchor Advisors is a uh, business growth advisory firm. We work primarily with creative entrepreneurs who want to scale their business from about a million up into the 3 to $5 million range. So, If you're over a million, there's a, there's a whole new subset of, of challenges that, that hit you when you get above a million. And that's what we focus on. We focus on helping folks to overcome those challenges so they can scale to that two and a half to five million even faster.
1: Okay. Two questions. Yes. That's uh, a fun creative entrepreneur for me. So so we're not talking uh, people who run a million dollar uh, cleaning service. Correct. Right. So we're talking about people who make things? People who, uh, for whom people
0: are their product. Okay. So... Agencies, uh, you know, web development, digital marketing, uh, SEO type of agencies. Yeah. Some consulting firms I would put in that category. Um, interior designers, architects, those type of folks.
1: Okay, cool. So uh, uh, I I wouldn't necessarily think like interior design folks, mm-hmm. and the, and the agency peeps that I hang out with, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't put them in the same bucket. But you're smarter and better looking than I am, so why don't you tell me how... Well, on the interior interior design
0: agencies, it's really the B2B firms, right? It's not the B2C firms. So the the ones that I've worked with are larger. They tend to be, like I said, over a million, some of them up to to two and a half million. Um, And so they've got 10, 15 designers, and uh, they're usually selling to either corporate spaces or hospitality or, um, you know, home builders, those type of right.
1: people. Right. So it's, so it, I guess in, uh, many of the attributes are the same. Correct. That's okay. right. Okay, cool. All right. So, so, um, you, you said that there's, you know, when you get over a million dollars there's a bunch of stuff that punches you in the face. Yes. Now, as you and I both know that, that punch in the face happens Getting to a million dollars too, right? Because Sure. You know, yes. Uh, because especially in the agency world, you've got people who are good at a thing. Yes. Right? And so they are the technical expert. They jump in and they yes. are smarter about a thing than anybody else has a right to be.
0: They absolutely and, are. And
1: that gets them up to, I don't know, like $200,000 in revenue. Right. right. And then sometimes $350,000. Right? Yeah. It depends, on, <laughs> like, it depends on how cool you are. And right. then all of a sudden you start getting punched in the face because you suddenly you're working for your company instead of the other way That's around. That's right. Right? That's right, and then you then if you're lucky, you hire somebody beautiful like us, and they say, "Okay, you know what you need to do? You need to pull yourself out of the process. You need to hire some other stove. Think about you know where you've got the most leverage, and go go go." And then it happens again, mm-hmm. you know, like half a million bucks thereabouts, mm-hmm. right? Because right. suddenly your team isn't like the person you've known your whole life, and it's not your right. buddy, and you've hired some schmo. And you don't know how to train them because there's That's no right. context. And so suddenly, like all of a sudden, again, you are working for your business instead of the other way around. And you're doing stuff that you stopped doing six months ago because you're, the schmo that you hired isn't working out the right way. So you're down elbows deep. And now it's even worse. And then if you're smart, you hire somebody like us and they pull you out of that. And then what happens? <laughs> then what happens at like a million to a million and a half dollars?
0: So what happens around a million, million and a half is now you've got a team, right? You, 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 you can't get to a million by yourself. So you've oh, probably no. got four, five, six, maybe eight, ten people. Um, and everybody's doing their thing. You've hired a bunch of young, flexible people. Because uh, you don't want to spend a lot of money because you don't really know what you want them to do. Right, right? And,
1: and even though for a lot of people listening, a million dollars in revenue seems like a really freaking big business, it's you know just like it's baby steps.
0: It is, that's right. Yeah. One of my clients said that that growing a business isn't really like walking up a hill where every step takes you closer to the top. It's more like crossing a stream where you gather strength on one rock and then leap to the next rock and then gather strength there and then leap to the next rock
1: yeah because that river's freezing cold Holy moly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and probably full of monsters
1: yeah um, hundred yeah, <laughs> percent so when you've got when
0: you've got that bigger team um, and now you're at the point where you're no longer worried about viability you know the business is coming in you have a business development process that's that's more or less baked I mean there's it's on a continuum, but you right. you understand how to get like, leads and how to close like you get business. something that works. That's right, and so uh, what starts to happen is the work comes in faster than you can build your team, and so you hopefully. again, like, like hopefully, you, right? Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, so, like you just said, you become the bottleneck then in the business. The business can't grow any any larger because there's still stuff that you're stuck doing in order to make it possible for everybody else to do the thing that they're doing, and then. The other thing is that everyone reports to you, and so you give them work to do, but when they run into a roadblock or you know, can't figure something out or you didn't teach them how to do something, then they come back and ask you. And so in addition to you being the roadblock, they're coming back and asking you questions all day and interrupting you, and the only time you get work done is between you know 6 and 9 p.m.
1: Yeah, or 4.30 and 6.30 a.m.
0: Right. <laughs> That's a possibility. Yeah, because if
1: you're old like me, like staying up that late and doing Right. It,
0: the early thing is better. Not a chance. Not a chance. Yeah. Right. All right. right.
1: But I assume that you were helping your clients sort of create decentralized leadership, right? So, so- the, task, the task
0: in this growth phase is scalability. Yeah. To make it so that you can go from 10 people to 20 people to 50 people, right? And right. to do that like you said, you have to start to bring in a middle management layer. You need some people that are in between you and the people who are doing the work. And, and those people are different kind of people from the people that you've been hiring. Right. Instead of looking for young, flexible, inexpensive people, you're looking for people who have a track record of success, who know what they're doing because I mean, you've kind of proved it to yourself by this point. You're terrible at training. And so <laughs> we need to hire some people that know what they're doing so they can train people for us. All right. And so we hire, and we hire people to have a track record of success. And that means they're going to cost us some real money. We're going to put six figures out the door for some of these people.
1: Right. because like, we are not talking about you. Like you don't find this person on Upwork. Right. Right. And they don't charge by the hour.
0: That's correct.
1: Right. And they would like things like health insurance. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. And Paid time off.
0: Yes, and a policy for paid time off.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, and maybe like a 401k plan.
0: Possibly. Um, I kind of hate 401k plans. No, or it's or some, like something. Something. Right? There needs to be like, some kind of retirement savings idea. Right.
1: Right. Because uh, honestly, if if so, if someone is high enough quality that you're going to offer them six figures, they've probably got an option besides you. That's right. Right? That's right? So you've got to make your business as attractive as possible, right? Now, one of the things I throw
0: out there is that you're not really, I think a lot of times business owners feel inferior trying to attract that top talent um, because, you know, they're not General Electric or they're not, you know, they're not going to have the broad benefit package that some bigger company would have. But there are things that you have as a small business owner that General Electric doesn't have. Absolutely. I mean, you have an ability that people can come to work for you, and at the end of the day, they can see that what they did made a difference. Right. Right? They, there's numbers that you're tracking. There's people out there that are getting better every day. There's some flexibility that you're willing to offer, although I don't want to advertise that up front, but it is something that, that comes with the territory. Right. And so there are people that are going to choose to work for you, even if you're not paying them as much, and even if your benefits aren't as sweet as you know, General Electric.
1: Right. And also there are people who fit in particular yes. spots, right? That's right. You know, for instance, when I sold my agencies and went to work for very large agencies, so yes. I sold seven figure agencies into eight and nine figure agencies. Right. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. It was, it, was, it was so bad.
0: <laughs> you never want to go back to that job, right? <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: I, I, like I'd go up in the elevator every day and I think, oh God, like, I have to go sit in a cubicle. (laughs) (laughs) Go to that
0: status meeting and file my TPS report.
1: Right. And tracking hours. And like, we, like we need your expense report by the third. Yes. Like, and I'm thinking, wow, expense report. Wow.
0: That's crazy. I did one of those like once a year for my accountant. Right. When they (laughs) yelled it.
1: Okay. (laughs) So right, so so you, so you, so you get a you know like you're hiring somebody who's got a track record and who's got some some like built in skills you didn't have to
0: correct develop. That's right, and they've
1: got sort of like the right attitude because they fit in that right spot. Yes, like, so many of our service business owners and agency owners and people of that ilk sort of get their validation from being the smartest guy in the room. yes. Or knowing which button to push—that's right—or which title tag to adjust.
0: That's a big adjustment, isn't
1: it? Right, and 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 suddenly, if you are faced with let's let's paint a picture, Brad, shall we? Uh, you know, suddenly, if you're faced with somebody who actually might have as much, if maybe not a little more, experience than you do, mm-hmm. hopefully, right? And and they've got some like as we said before, some like built-in skill sets. Yep. And they know how to do stuff. Yep. How do you, as your sort of typical, scared, vaguely imposter syndrome having entrepreneur, adjust?
0: So there's a couple of things that I talk to people about there. The first is um, you have to change the reward that you're looking for. When when you were that oh, three this, to five hundred, is like 000. a
1: whole "Who moved my cheese" thing.
0: It is. It's exactly that.
1: Yes. Because when and you by were, way, when if you, you haven't read that book, it will take you seventeen minutes. It's, it's really like short. And Blanchard, <laughs> you know,
0: he's a genius. Know, you Ken it first,
1: like you get it in the first two pages, but there's one hundred sixteen <laughs> more pages. Found in something, but you get it. Like who moved my cheese? Yeah.
0: So uh, when you were at that three hundred to five hundred thousand dollar business. At the end of the day, you could say, look, I built that. I did this thing. I sent out this proposal. I, I, I got this deliverable done, right? Yeah. And it felt good at the end of the day to do those things. Um,
1: right, because you got to say that you were the man. That's right. Woman, right? That's right.
0: I crossed all those things off my list.
1: Right, and I am driving this bus.
0: That's right. When you're when you're at a million, you your job is to make sure that other people – get to have that feeling. You get your jollies by watching them succeed, by, by seeing them build us something that you could never build on your own. And so it's a different kind of satisfaction when you see someone else produce something. And you know, I created the environment for that to happen. I set that up for them.
1: But what if they don't do it exactly the way you wanted them they to? They
0: will not do it the way they Oh my God, no. Do. They definitely will not. Oh. And in fact, Sometimes it'll be like,
1: I mean, that's really, that's, it's how it should be, by the way.
0: It's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and what will be interesting is the day that that they do something that wasn't the way you wanted them to do, but it was actually kind of better. You know, like that's a really good day. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, it's, it, it gets kind of exciting when all of a sudden you think, wow, I, that really worked, you know?
1: Yeah. It, it is it is super exciting actually. If you haven't been through it, you should try it because when 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 you get to think like, oh yes, grasshopper, like, right? <laughs> you know, young Padawan, you 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 have like this is how you do it. You're like, oh, that's well, all, right. all right.
0: I mean, another thing that I say to business owners in this in this growth pattern is that uh, they get frustrated because they're like, Brad, all I do is go to meetings. I have to say, actually, Tim, your job is to go to meetings. That's right. your job. You're yes. there to help other people do their work. So when you're in a meeting, you're actually doing that. You're organizing work. You're selling work. You're just checking the status on it. You're redirecting it. That's what you do is you go to meetings.
1: Right, because that's, that's where your impact is.
0: That's right. You I, have a much higher
1: impact. Yeah, because the impact of doing the stuff that you do, yeah. that, imp- that, that impacts a single customer in a single moment in time. That's right. But those 50 minutes where you're thinking, not another PowerPoint slide. <laughs> I mean, if you're really good at your job, you throw away the PowerPoints slide. I was just
0: going to say that.
1: Like, and and, you, and you, you figure out you know, who needs what right then and you give it to them. The
0: greatest part about being the owner is, yes, you have to go to a meeting, but you don't have to have it be a meeting the way someone else wants it to be. Right. Like, If you're going to a meeting with Bill Gates, that meeting is going to be the way Bill Gates wants it to be, right? And you're essentially Bill Gates in your building, so... Tell people the kind of meeting that you want to have.
1: All right, now I, I would love to. I want to. Sh- I want to share a story with you. Okay. Um, this is a time when I was I was I was an employee, and I was working for a a super super large furniture retailer online okay. furniture retailer. Yep. Um, which it, it it you know rhymes with with Mayfair, um, <laughs> uh, and we were pitching. Uh, another retailer, like why don't you make a marketplace so we can sell Wayfair? St- oops, I mean Mayfair <laughs> stuff um, in it. Yeah, and and so I had so i have been working this deal, and I'd been putting together like the super duper PowerPoint. And I got the business model, and I got it all. and And I brought and the CEO came with me to the meeting, and so I'm ready. I've got my my tightly buttoned up, like very MBA ish business case proving revenue-showing, spreadsheet-empowered presentation. And the CEO goes off the board for 50, right? Runs his meeting. Yep. And I'm thinking, but wait, I said something on slide 27 that you didn't say. Right. (laughs) Like you didn't even look at my presentation. And so now these two weeks worth of work that I've put in for this one-hour meeting in order to get this big thing happening, you went and you stole it from me. <laughs> now in my time as a ceo i am sure that i never did that
0: uh, i doubt you would ever do I'm, such a I'm thing.
1: i'm sure that i never did that mm-hmm. i never and i never bigfooted anybody and i never didn't end around or i never said you know what i i'm i'm doing it my way because i can mm-hmm. I, i'm so sure that i ever said that but how do you avoid <laughs> doing that well how
0: do you avoid doing that well the first thing i would say is Sometimes doing that is okay, because we're here, if we're working as a team, and the idea is to get the ball into the end zone, did he get the ball into the end zone? No. Oh, okay. Well, then that's different.
1: That, though, I'm, though I'm not sure I would have either.
0: Right. Okay. Good point. I mean, I remember a similar example of that in my career, where I had worked on a big 76 slide deck, and you know, all the everything that you're talking about, and I got up to, to, to show it to the board of directors, and the CEO said, Uh, I know Brad that you've got a big presentation there and you've worked really hard on it. Show me the last slide. I'm like, what do you mean? Show me the last slide. He said, just bottom line it for me. What's the last slide?
1: Like The one with the price on it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I put it up and he's like, I totally agree. I think we should go ahead. Let's do it. And so he didn't need to see the other 75 slides. Right. And so for him just to get to the bottom line, it was a time saver. And you know, when I was standing there with my mouth open, he said to me, he said, Brad, The fact that you put together those other seventy-five slides tells me that what you put on that last slide is is the real deal, and I trust you. And so, let's just do it. And that ended up feeling like a million bucks. You know know. that that felt great, even though nobody saw my slides. Right. So, uh, you
1: know, the moral of the story is is what you know. The moral of
0: the story is we're on a team, and we need we need to see if we can get to the end zone. And. It doesn't really
1: matter which way we get there. It doesn't, doesn't matter really matter which way we
0: get there. Right. Okay. Now, now if I have worked with clients where the CEO would, would go cowboy and he would blow the deal. And so you need to have part of the reason you're hiring these more expensive, more experienced people is so that they can call you when you do crap like that. You know, that they can pull you to the side and say, hey, Tim, that was not the way to sell that deal. Look, look, look at the slides that we had put together here. I think this would have worked much better. And to give you a different right. frame and, to work for.
1: And and you should, in fact, be the kind of leader where it's okay to call you on your own. Crack. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, what I suggest is after every big meeting, you you do a postmortem. And so you actually invite that kind of criticism. What but went did, well, I, what went poorly?
1: I love doing a pre-mortem too. <laughs> Tell All me right. more. Well, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of of, you know, everybody sort of getting together like, what are you going to say? What are you yeah. going to say? Like, you don't have to follow. It's not a script, meeting
0: before the meeting, right.
1: right. But but basically, everyone knows what's going on so that we don't have to worry about any sort of stage blocking, right? Or, or any like line, you know, any of that sort of stuff that happens, that, that can happen if you're not prepared. And also during that pre-mortem meeting, you can sort of think like, oh, you know what? If I'm saying A and you're saying B, like, we're not going to get to C. That, right, right. right. We got to switch that up somehow. And so if you think about all the stuff that can kill the deal before you get to the presentation, that's actually way better than, that's actually, that's I wouldn't say way better, but it's equally valuable as to uh, sort of figuring out like what's going to get the deal done. You have to figure out what's going to kill the deal too.
0: Absolutely, yeah. The other thing I like about that, something that keeps the CEO from going cowboy all the time is if you give people specific roles, like, Tim, this is what we need to hear from you, and that way Barbara can talk about this, and Jose can talk about this thing, and then you can come back and bring it home, right? And so, by giving people specific roles, it kind of keeps people in their lanes, right? We know what we want
1: from somebody. Hey, do you like the Kilmer Report? I really hope so, because we work hard on it. If you'd like more content like this, I invite you to subscribe to my Friday focus email. You get weekly updates about what's on the podcast, what's new in the world of business growth and honestly, my weekly short video essay about the things that entrepreneurs need to be thinking about right now in order to help them create an extraordinary business in an ordinary world. I hope you'll subscribe at Fridayfocus.co. That's Fridayfocus.co. Let me let me ask you because this is something that that when my customers hit a particular s- stage of growth where like they've got their lead flow working and everything's yep. going fine. And they, you know, they they and they've got theirs, you know, and the CEO gets like bored because they're doing this like the same thing <laughs> all the time. And right. Right, and they're like, oh, and they don't want to make the regular sale anymore, right? Yeah. So, so, so how do you get like, and and that's like the perfect time to hire staff, right? It's mm-hmm. the perfect time to hire like you know a biz dev staff. So how do you get that sort of like, how do you get people who sell from a, a point of experience, gravitas, mm-hmm. and context, and hand it over to? your, your, your earnest, uh, go-getter salesperson who doesn't have that gravitas experience and context, even if they go to 20 years in sales.
0: Yep. So let me back up for a second and then come back to that because, because you're, you're at exactly the right point. One of the other transitions that happens around a million, million five is, You've been throwing a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall to see what sticks, right? You've been sell if somebody says that they want something, yeah, we can do that, we're going to sell it, right? Because viability was your was the thing you were afraid of. But as yeah. you get over a million, the viability starts to be a settled question, and so what you need to do is to pare things down, to sell fewer things, right? Yes. Because the way you make money as an agency is to do the same project over and over.
1: Right? absolutely hundred percent. The,
0: the closer you can have just one process to do one thing and do it over and over again the more money you're gonna make and the problem with that is usually the business owner because they get bored because they want to do something different
1: right right and they see potential of course they do right so and so then they they start opening their mouths and they screw everything the everything up, up. <laughs> and so, again, uh, again I never did that <laughs> <laughs> not once.
0: So in order to, uh, to afford these expensive people that we're going to hire, the people with a good track record, we have to start doing things over and over again, and we need to raise our prices. And so raising prices, first of all, is a great challenge for the, for the business owner. And I'm not talking about like a 5% price increase. Double. I'm talking about like a 50%, 100% price yeah. increase. And so you as a business owner, now you have to learn how to sell your value on a whole different level. Because you're worth it. You, you definitely are producing Absolutely. value but you need to start getting people to pay for that value and not having people hire you because you're cheap, but hire you because
1: you're. That's shocking. (laughs) (laughs) So if you can, you are full of scandalous thoughts, my friend.
0: I am. I am. Yeah. It's dangerous (laughs) to work with me for sure. (laughs) All right. So if you've done that, if you've simplified your process, so you're selling the same thing over and over again and you're selling a higher value, Then what you need is a, is a, instead of selling based on context and experience and gravitas, you're going to sell based on process. You're going to have a similar conversation with similar people. Are you
1: in the meetings with my clients? (laughs) (laughs) We must've read the same book at some point.
0: I think we have similar clients. Let's put it that way. (laughs) And, and if you've got a sales process where you're having a common conversation, then you can hand it off to a sales professional. Because they're great at process. You're terrible at process. They're right. great at it.
1: Right. You wouldn't have started the business if you were good at process. That's exactly right. <laughs>
0: you would have been working at MegaCorp. You know. Right. Filing your TPS report. Right.
1: So, so, but at that point, what I what I think is a like a great is a great thing for for a company leader to f- focus on is escalating the quality of your client. Yes. Right? That's right. If you, if, like if you start if you start chasing clients that are two or three times the revenue of your current clients, yes. Like they have different expectations and so you can let your 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 earnest process driven salesperson who loves 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 to fill out all of those those forms in your CRM? Yes. Right. And, and loves to get meeting reminders, loves all that stuff yep. and fills out their expense report. Yes. Right. We, right. You get all that stuff happening and you go out and chase something that is a little scary because yes. they are way bigger than any company you've ever talked to. Like that's, that's how the, 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 the business owner, like they get energized and they feel right. Right. Because
0: right. yeah. they're still going out and killing something. Right. And the secret, if you're selling expertise, one of the secrets that nobody tells you is that you can't grow your agency by just, by going from having 10 clients to having 100 of those same clients. Because project managing 100 clients, unless you're doing something like SEO where there's a very, you know, rote kind of system, um, it just becomes a nightmare and you can't apply expertise to 100 clients. So you, what you need is to go from 10 clients that are, $3,000 a month to 10 clients that are $10,000 a month. Right. And so that means finding new clients.
1: Right. And, and also uh, for those of you who most who have started a business and I don't know about you for many of my clients, yeah, their business is the biggest business they've ever been. That's correct. In, right. <laughs> yes. and so they have no idea what five delivery teams working, you know, in parallel even looks like. Yes. Right? And it's, and it's sort of like, in, like it's one of those things. Somebody can describe it to you in exquisite yes. detail, but until you see it working, you're like, "Oh, that's not possible."
0: Right? It's the difference between having a map and having been someplace, right? You can exactly. look at a map and you can be like, "Okay, I sort of know where things are," but once you've been there, you have a gut feel for it,
1: right? Right. And I think, and I think one of the the like the most one of the most exciting things that happens for for service business owners is when, when they get out of the, like the, uh, being the task manager. Yes. Right. Because, you know, people confuse process with task management. Yes. And so, and, and there's a lot of times where, um, you know, especially when the, the owner's under stress, where the, where the finger comes out, like you have to do it this way. Yeah. You know, right. And, and like, have you had like, you check off the box. Did you check right. off the box? Right. And, then, right. and, and, and they, the, 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 the leader is suddenly becomes the head detail owner. Right. Everyone else <laughs> is going doing their job. And, and again, not something I've ever done, but, <laughs> um, but it, that's, that's like, that's, that is guaranteed to make the entrepreneurial mind revolt.
0: Oh, it's awful. And, and the the interesting thing about that is that I think when I see people doing that, getting down into the task management, it's really a reaction to fear. Oh, 100%. It feels out of control, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, how can we have 10 clients that are, we're billing eight to $10,000 a piece? This is, this is
1: insane. Right. And I'm not touching any of it.
0: Right. I can't okay. see it. It's, it's all ha- Yes. Yes. Right. And so it, once you recognize that with a, with a business owner and, and kind of point out to them, you're scared. That's why you're doing that, right? Yeah, totally. But, but what that fear is doing is it's kind of pulling you back to your set point, like to where you've been comfortable in the past. Right. And, and so it's, it's self-sabotaging. And so you're, you're actually, you're, you're, you make yourself comfortable by ruining the business that's growing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. Because even if it sucks, something you know is easier yeah. than something you don't know. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. And that's
0: honestly, Tim, that's why people need folks like you and I or a mastermind group or something that can help you to see that self-sabotage and those ways in which you're keeping yourself from having the success that you want to have.
1: Right. It helps so much to have someone give you permission. Yep. Yep. Like you, uh, we, I often give my clients permission to go screw that up (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, they like the first time you're pitching somebody who's Mm -hmm. three times bigger than any other client you've ever pitched. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. You're going to be bad at it. Yeah. You're going to think, what is wrong with you? And you're going (laughs) to, and you're going to walk home thinking like, I'm terrible at this. Exactly. Right. But it's just the same as your first sales pitch. you won't make it then either.
0: One of the things I say to people is anything worth doing well is worth doing terrible because you're not going to do it well until you do, ter- do it terrible a bunch of times.
1: Uh, so I, so, uh, wow. I am, I am due for something to do. I mean, I'm due for well. <laughs> You've been I'm, practicing the terrible. Yeah, I, I'm due. I'm right there, man. There you go. Right there. Maybe go. the next thing that I do, it's going to be great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, that same thing, that same thing applies to that feeling of, you know, stuff is happening and I don't know how it's happening. There was some point in your career where someone trusted you with that deliverable and okay. you, you screwed it up a bunch of times and, but the company survived. Maybe,
1: maybe <laughs> I screwed it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I will say I did. The, the first okay, time I someone trusted me with something, it was a disaster. Yeah. And the second time, it really wasn't a whole lot better. But yeah. I didn't take the whole company down, right? It, it worked out okay.
1: Right, and I think, and I think that's the, the, one of the, the big issues. When you've got a business that, that starts working, there's still some part of you that, that, uh, that hasn't made the, uh, can we do this? Yes. We can do this. Yes. Flip, right? And there's some, and I think there's some part, you know, there's, uh, what did Andy Grove say? Like, only the paranoid survive or something. Yes, right. And, but 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 it's a little bit different than that because he was talking about being paranoid about killing everybody else in the world. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, but I think that there's like, there's the, there's the scared, like, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here, imposter, like, God, can we really do this? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, and I think people carry that with them a lot longer than they think.
0: I think it takes about five years to wear off from the point where you say, okay, I'm not worried about going out of business anymore. Like my, that's not my primary concern. I think it takes about five years before people are like, actually this we're killing it. Everything's good.
1: Right. Now I'm sure you run into these businesses as well. They've been around for like 15 years. Yes. Right. And they've been up and they've been down left and right. Yes. And, and you know, you look at the, the, the founder and they're like, Oh, but like they're killing, like they're grinding it out every day. Like it was day two. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and so many people feel like that's how your business, that's what business is. Right. You know, they, they like, you know, until and unless you're General Electric, which I wouldn't want to be them these days. Meaning neither. But, but uh, unless you're like Amazon, like, like right. your business is net, like you're always working for the business, not the other way around. And and how like like what are the things if, if you're looking at a at a, a founder who's like 12 years into it, mm-hmm. they're paying themselves I don't know, sixty two thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. You know, and and they're th- and they're thinking like this year, this is the year that I'm going to go on vacation and it's going to be okay. Like, how do, like, how do you un, like, what do you unpack there?
0: There's a lot of different ways that I come at this conversation, but the conversation I'm trying to have is that uh, I think that you're addicted to the struggle. I think you actually like the struggle. I think that, that that feeling of, you know, going up against impossible odds and fighting it out, and it's all up to me, and I'm dragging it across the finish line, there's something you're getting out of that.
1: Right. Well, there's... there's- <laughs> I, I so I so remember the uh, the if I don't close this deal yes you can't make payroll yes right and I remember having I don't know half a dozen of those and when it works you're like yes yes so you're God, you, such a hero right? <laughs> yes. right right yeah but a well run business doesn't need a hero
0: that's right right that that is a really important thing to say a well run yeah. business does not need a hero in fact if your business needs heroes. There's it's something really seriously wrong. Like
1: it's not a business. Right. right.
0: That's right. You're it's, playing Vegas.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So, so in the uh in the outline that we cannot find. Right. <laughs> um, you know, technology. Thank God we like we are two very experienced men here, <laughs> like who cannot figure out how to find a form. uh <laughs> uh, uh you said you had like an you had a a new theory about yes revenue growth change whatever so so lay so it on me lay it last, on hear it. last
0: summer i spent uh i spent a while interviewing a bunch of business owners over 100 business owners and and i, I found I do notice that
1: i was not one of them but that's okay
0: i i did notice that you were not one of them um
1: but you know so we may not know, have known each other at that point so it's, it's okay. that's correct i
0: uh i divided entrepreneurial businesses into four growth stages startup growth stabilization and expansion the startup phase is pretty straightforward. It in my world, it runs from zero to about 800,000, something like that. Um, and it, your major issue is viability, right? Am I going to be able to survive? Yep. And the major measure that you use is sales. What, what were my sales? And then somewhere around a million, it tips over, and you're not worried about viability anymore. And so you're into the growth phase where once you have your product market fit and you're starting to narrow things down then you're trying to build that middle management team and the real focus there is about scalability and that that issue runs until about 3 million mm-hmm. and then around 3 million you get to a stabilization phase where now i know my business is scalable but i really don't have the systems i don't have the plumbing i don't have the you know i'm i'm working with with a crm system that's not connected to my accounting system and my marketing system's not connected to that system and my product delivery somewhere else and so,
1: right. and, and and you have just run run like thirty steps past what you know how to do. That's right. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yep. And so there, you start to pull all this together into a more unified system. And again, there's a new la- layer of. Um, business expertise that you start to bring in.
1: Enter the vice president. That's right. Yes.
0: <laughs> and the CFO. And
1: friend, so that... friend or foe, you never know with the CFO. It's true. It's
0: yeah. true. Although I love it when my clients hire a CFO, like their world changes because they just don't have to worry about the right. numbers yeah, yeah. at that level anymore. Yep. It's so right. nice. Um, and then around eight, 10 million, you get into a different category where it's about expansion. So you're either going beyond the geography that you've used before, or you're adding on a different additional products. And oftentimes the issue there is access to capital, right? You're you're using other people's money to to buy additional growth or, or fund additional growth. And so once you look at those four stages, when you identify yourself within that continuum, then it becomes much more clear about what you need to let go of, and what you need to reach sure. over toward, right? And one one of the surprises to me is that like what makes you successful in one phase actually keeps you from success in the next phase. Yeah. Right. So in the startup phase, it's all about hustle and and you know throwing things against the wall and trying things. But if you try to keep that hustle going into the growth phase, you kill yourself. Right. I mean, you, you were you were just talking about how that felt for you. And then similarly in the growth phase, it's about being more. Um, accountable and and building systems and and kind of straightening things out but when you get into the and learning what to say no to right? yes and learning what to say no to pushing That's right.
1: everything away that doesn't make sense
0: you, you go from flexibility to accountability and accountability requires focus yeah right but then, when you get to the stabilization phase, you've got to start juggling things again because you're 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 choosing between lots of good options. You know, do yep. I buy a do I buy an ERP system or do I hire this person or do I invest in this new product line? And so again, the the challenges change and morph, and you have to learn another new set of skills.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of spot on. Now, uh, you know, strangely enough, even though that is like such a beautiful logical progression. Very, very few businesses, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yes. actually get to that stabilization phase.
0: Right? Yes. So, so uh, I actually did some research around this. And of all the businesses in America, 96% are in the startup phase. Sure. So only 4% of businesses make it above 800,000. Yeah. And then only one of, in 10 of those that make it to 800,000 make it to 3 million. So 0.4% of businesses are in the stabilization phase. Right, and, and then in the expansion phase, there are about seventeen thousand businesses in the expansion phase in America. So that's you're really in rarefied air if you make it to that
1: point. Right. So, so let's just talk about where, like the like, but eight hundred thousand dollars in revenue. Yep. For most businesses, is is well within reach. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, making the the following assumptions that you're good at what you do. Yes. Right. Uh, that that and that you have the capacity to learn and change. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which, which is probably actually the biggest. That's the, right. So so it's 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 us. It's the business owner that yes. keeps the business from growing, isn't it?
0: One of the things when I train people to to join my team, one of the first things I tell them is the client hires us and says, "Brad, fix the team," but the team is the was hired by the business owner. They're managed by the business owner. They're trained by the business owner. They're held accountable by the business owner. So if the if the team is broken, where's the problem? Yeah, the problem's always at the top.
1: Right. You know. <laughs> you know. I have. Um. Uh. So. So. In. In my business, there are. There are particular red flags. Mm. That. That mean to me like, as soon as our as soon as our engagement is up, between the client and I. Like I, I'm not going to offer to extend, right. Right. Because when they say they, when they say they screwed up, you know, the finger, you know, or, you know, it's them or they don't do what I say or, or if it's, why can't I
0: hire someone who has some common sense?
1: Right. (laughs) And and, you know, I've, I've got this, I've got this, whenever that pops, pops out, I send, I have an email that I send out to them. Which is uh, you've seen this thing, right? The, yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yep. Like, like the one finger pointing it out, right, is there right. two Finger pointing back, and um, uh, with the exception of one person, everybody then turned the finger on me, mm-hmm. saying it was you know, right because because I didn't do the right thing for them. Therefore, their choices that they reinforce kept on being wrong, right?
0: I have one client who has a plaque on the wall of his office and it says, there's no one to blame, but yourself. Yeah. And, right. and if, if you're playing the blame game, you know, if it's about them and you take that away from them, then they have to blame you. Right. Cause, cause that's the right. game that they're playing. Yeah.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: So until we can take away the blame game and say, we're not going to blame anybody, we're just going to take responsibility for what we have. Then they're stuck.
1: Yeah. So, so my first job out of college, I was a yep. high school teacher. Wow! Yeah, I, I, you're like I, I you know, I, it was Dead Poets Society. I, I, <laughs> I was like the guy standing on tables and stuff. <laughs> and I had this, this, oh, this older this, and I taught American literature. And this older teacher gave me this, this sort of, uh, this nice sort of career arc for teachers. He says, when you're a young teacher and you're full of energy, the kids learn because of you. Mm-hmm. Right, Your energy is infectious. Mm-hmm. And then as you get a little bit older and you slow down a bit, you become such a master at your craft, mm-hmm. at teaching that the kids learn because you are awesome at teaching. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end of your career, the kids learn because you have finally figured out that it's always been about them. Yes. And <laughs> And, and for business owners, it's kind of the same, right? Right. Because, you know, in your, in the beginning, like you're, you start your company because like you're electric, like you can spark, right? And so I'm,
0: I'm better at anybody else than this thing.
1: Right. I can push this button better than you can. That's right. And then you know, which button push too, right? Right. Customers come on board, your employees come on board. And things are good and you're growing. And then all of a sudden, like, then all of a sudden you start to scale and you put in some, you know, put in some processes and, and you start learning how to push some stuff away and you get really freaking good at this button, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, like, you know, you just have to look at the button now and it pushes itself. Right? <laughs> and, and, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, the customer, you like talk to a customer like, yeah, we, we know we got to push that button. What the hell?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And then you're like, uh right. And then, but if you, if you can get beyond that point and you realize that it's about empowering your team and, and, uh, you know, not sort of, uh, even though ostensibly uh, you are charging up the hill to lead them, actually what you're really doing is you're behind them. Like think, come on guys. That's right. Stop. That's right. Right. That's right? right. It's, it's, it's all, you know, and, and same with your customers, right? You know, you know, at, at first you're kind of working for your customers. Yeah. Right? And, then, and then eventually you end up leading your customers in and in, in they're following you in a different way. So, it, so you actually flip your positions relative to your employees and customers. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, I, I learned
0: this first during the sales process. I, I had a mentor who, uh, who taught me the process that he taught me to use for sales is he said, if people realize that you understand their problem, they assume you know how to fix it.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So you never have to tell them about pushing the button you tell them about the problem that pushing the button solves and they're like, Oh my gosh, this guy's a genius.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, uh, something that, uh, so, uh, this brings up like a, a fantastic, fantastic point. So it, you know, when you're starting out your business,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, lots of people, you, you sell the stuff that you do, right? Yes. Right. And that's, but nobody buys that, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, But, but like it's, but in order to sort of do what you just said, which is sort of effectively articulate your client's problem in a meaningful way, you know, often better than they can articulate it.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: You know, it requires some investment into that audience, right? Like you've got to know your client's business, right? But, and I, and, and I, my, I, I struggle with this a little bit because I know for most business owners. If if you like if you sort of specialize early on, mm-hmm. you, like you know you you sort of you pick you pick a narrow lane to be in. Yep. Like the world is easier.
0: Yes, much easier. I,
1: but that doesn't that sort of uh, that sort of mixes up the service market fit right with choice right and, and so and and in some ways you know you get people who are picking they're they're picking a, a target market or target you know a benefit. Yep. You know before they really know if that's what they're good at.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And, and, and how, how do you, how do you, how do you advise your clients around that right now? That's so that's, that's a, that's typically, a, you know, before a million dollar problem, right? Yep.
0: Well, what's interesting about that, Tim is, uh, I used to have a really strong point of view about that. And then I met a bunch of clients that did exactly the opposite of what I told them to do and they were successful anyway. Yeah. And so it made me question my strong point of view. Um, I think the people that pick a market before they know whether they're any good at it are actually much quicker to hire other people to be the expert. Like they yeah. see themselves as not solving the problem, but trying to figure out what the puzzle is that this market is going to buy. Yeah. And so yeah. if, if my job is to figure out what the puzzle is, then I just bring the resources behind me. Um, oh.
1: <laughs> and throw the light on the ground and
0: throw the light on the ground. Um, that, that, Make it possible for us to solve that problem, and so they never get caught up in the "I'm pushing the button" thing because they don't even know how to push the
1: button. That's right. That's right. So, so typically, that's that's so that's a so that's a that's a business that's started by someone who wants to start a business rather right. than a business started by somebody who has a better way to do their thing that they do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, now there's sort of a there's there's a great story that a, a friend of mine, Udayan Bose, who runs a great agency in New Jersey called Net Elixir. I talked to him about uh, about how he picked his market which eventually ended up being sort of e-commerce. Yes. Uh, or, or, or franchise e-commerce. Right. And and he said, well, like we didn't like we took whatever business we could get. We just had a particular way of thinking about things and after some trial and error we realized like, oh, this works really well in this market, so let's go. Yeah. And so and so they they sort of, you know, they it was like the like e-commerce was the spot that uh, won through attrition, right? Because it didn't work for, right? It didn't work for 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 stockbrokers and it didn't work right. for doctors, right? Right. Um. Uh. So, but how do you like? I, I do see a, a fair number of of businesses that tend to be sort of like web designy
0: mm-hmm. or
1: creative, digital marketing, right? Uh. The, you know that that actually get to that million or a million and a half or two million dollar range without actually having a target right it like they're they're on they're not really solving a horizontal problem
0: right well we they are of, people need a website right or right, people need right
1: a- right but but they like they they never leverage the like oh holy guacamole we know more about creating credit union websites than right. anybody on the planet
0: right right
1: so so if you if if you were one of those people who run a business that that's like that like, do you, there's like, do you just say, like, you know, continue expanding out in all directions? Or do you think like maybe it's time to carve off a practice that focuses on pediatricians' offices? I,
0: I have a, uh, I have an exercise that I do with clients. There's actually two different exercises. One, um, you've probably seen the the famous Venn diagram of what people will pay us for, what we're good at and what we love doing. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah. the center of those circles is, is your target market. And so I'll often take, those diverse clients and map them against those three sure. um, domains. And it's often surprising that a number of the clients that, that they would say are great clients don't map against any of those domains. You know, right. that
1: as, we, our, we, as it turns out, they're not great clients, right? That they're not great <laughs> clients. And <laughs> they're so, great so, clients because they pay their bill. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so sometimes they have in a client, it's not them. a bad thing. Right. Yeah.
0: So sometimes if you map everybody against that Venn diagram, A couple of clusters will appear and you can say, well, let's, why don't we pursue this? And then we can try pursuing that, you know? And, um, if not, then I have a bigger exercise where we, where we try to list kind of all the different characteristics that our clients have. Um,
1: your customer DNA. Yeah. Kind of. That's yeah. (laughs) I, I realized, I I think we really did read the same book. (laughs) <laughs> is, this, is this this is on page like 46 of the business? Yeah uh,
0: on the right side. I know it was on the yeah, right yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly
1: exactly. <laughs> yeah they yeah, um, go through the same thing with, with with my clients as well. right.
0: And so so yeah. you, you make a big matrix of everything that, that they have in common and then then those things that they have most often in common, okay, let's start to cluster around that and I
1: and I also uh, we go through the we, we go through the exercise of like, like force ranking everybody. Yeah. You know, there's and there's like there's there's empiric, uh, you know, there's in, empiric and then there's a soft metric as well, like how much do you enjoy working with mm-hmm. them? And they actually get they get equally weighted.
0: Yeah. Well the, the thing about creative work is if you don't enjoy it, your creativity dies. Oh totally. Right. There has to be something there that's fueling that creative spark. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so,
1: absolutely. yeah. All right. So <laughs> we're almost out of time here, Brad. Yep. So uh so let let's let me hear let, let me let me hear why everybody should run to the beautiful city of Chicago and hire you <laughs> and your advisors. Um, uh, you know, g- g- give, me, give, me, give me your best pitch right now, right here.
0: Okay. So if you're in that, if you're in that journey. Right, well, thank you,
1: Brad. That was good. No kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you're in that journey of making it from a million to two and a half million, and you're feeling like, you know, you've got a map that you've never been there before. If this is the biggest company you've ever worked for, you need to get around some other people that have been there. And our team has done that. Um, we actually have started putting together some, uh, some group coaching programs where we're putting multiple business owners in groups together to work on their problems because we have found that people are actually making more progress in groups than they were making with us one on one. And so, uh,
1: so peer that's one. That. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Community peer learning. Um, so if you want to find out more about that anchor if you just want more of this conversation, if you go to dot slash conversation, uh, there's a email form there where you can get on and, and hear what we're, what CEOs of your size are talking about. And, and we've got a, an ongoing three times a week email conversation that, that you can be a part of.
1: All right. And, and where can they find your fabulous podcast?
0: Breaking down your Jill Salzman and I have the, uh, we don't take ourselves very seriously, let's put it that way. So we have a good time. We shout at each other. We make stuff up. It's fun. You should check it out. It is out. fun.
1: It, it's a, it, it's a, it is like it's a 20-minute a giggle fest where you That's actually it. learn something.
0: That's that, yeah, by accident, right? We yeah, kind of like sneak it, it in like, there.
1: It, yeah, it's, it's totally like, like at the end of it, you're like, oh, I did just eat some broccoli.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, it's like when your wife says, do you like that casserole? It had kale in it. It's like, well, yeah, it was okay you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> alright Brad uh, this has been just a slice of heaven I've really enjoyed it uh, thanks Tim thanks I appreciate it Anchor Advisors Brad Ferris breaking down your business podcast uh, generally good human being um, and is worth seeking out thanks
0: man I All appreciate right. it
1: have a great day you too hey it's Tim Thanks for tuning into the killer report. Your support means a lot. If you liked this episode, hated this episode, whatever, please leave your feedback at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you do that sort of thing. And if you're one of the brilliant people who love this, think about subscribing. It'll do you good.